Welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 260. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we are going to start talking for the first time about Star Trek Discovery. It is officially called Star Trek Discovery, right? Not just Discovery? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, good. Today we're going to be discussing the first two episodes, The Vulcan Hello and Battle of the Binary Stars. Here we go. Star Trek Discovery, created by Brian Fuller and Alex Kurtzman, premiere date September 24th, 2017, starring Sonequa Martin-Green as Michael Burnham, Doug Jones as Saru, Shazad Latif as Balk and Ash Tyler, Anthony Rapp as Paul Stamets, Mary Wiseman as Sylvia Tilly, Jason Isaacs as Gabriel Lorca, and Wilson Cruz as Hugh Colber. The Vulcan Hello, Season 1, Episode 1, original air date September 24th, 2017, directed by David Samel, story by Brian Fuller and Alex Kurtzman, teleplay by Akiva Goldsman and Brian Fuller. Guest cast include Michelle Yeoh as Philippa Giorgio, Mary Chifo as Laurel, James Frain as Sarek, Chris Obi as Tukuvma, Malik Pancholi as Nambue, and Terry Serpico as Brett Anderson. <laughs> On May 11, 2256, while patrolling Federation space, the USS Shenzhou encounters an object of unknown origin, and First Officer Michael Burnham is sent to investigate. She finds the object to be covered in ancient car- carvings and guarded by an armed Klingon. The Klingon attacks, and when she uses her suit to escape, she accidentally kills him. Burnham later awakes aboard the Shenzhou, being treated for acute radiation sickness. 240 years ago, near Hatoria, a Vulcan ship crossed into Klingon space. The Klingons attacked immediately. They destroyed the vessel. Vulcans don't make the same mistake twice. From then on, until formal relations were established, whenever the Vulcans crossed paths with Klingons, the Vulcans fired first. They said hello in a language the Klingons understood. Violence brought respect. Respect brought peace. Captain, we have to give the Klingons a Vulcan hello. If their intention is to attack, balling up our fists won't dissuade them. Star Trek Discovery. So one thing we talked about, so much of the show is so serial serialized that we we're not entirely sure how it's gonna work out as far as talking about the episodes, trying to keep them separate, or if we're gonna start combining them. Uh, at least for today, as we're kind of getting our feel for it, we've decided to discuss these two episodes as two episodes. Definitely works that we're doing just these two today, as we're as we're going to know shortly that uh, these are this is really not the show. It's really more of a prologue. You might note there's no discovery in Star Trek Discovery today, which is funny to me. But uh, I do have a clear memory of how because it was so recent how excited we all were for the first new Star Trek television in so many years and finally getting it. First, how did you guys, how did you guys watch this, these episodes today? I believe you didn't you, Brian, you and Steven watched them um, when they first came out on a weekly basis, right? Yeah. Uh, I yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. I watched them several months. I, I binge watched the whole thing like um, probably like two or three nights. So it'll be interesting. So it'll be interesting to kind of do it slowly. Oh, I see. Yeah. How did you guys watch them for today's discussion? I own I own them digitally, so I watched them that way. I on Blu-ray. I went ahead and I have the Blu-rays, but I went ahead and watched the the stream at least because at the moment I'm still paying for CBS All Access. 
I'll be turning that off tomorrow after Discovery Season 3 concludes. <laughs> but they went back. I don't know if you realize this, Steve, but when they first put these on CBS All Access, I don't, uh, this first season was just HD. I th- uh, but they at some point updated, upgraded it to HDR, 4K HDR. Yeah, I noticed that at some point, yeah. So I just thought for the moment, since I could, I'd go ahead and watch them in HDR. And the, the colors are just amazing, and it really does look spectacular. I'm sure I'll be switching back to the Blu-rays as soon as my CBS All Access runs out. <laughs> uh, well, we know that, that Brian Fuller originally, I don't know, did he create it with Alex Kurtzman at first? I'm not sure how much of that was so, but eventually, before they actually maybe even started shooting, but definitely before the show premiered, Brian Fuller was out. And, you know, he had some pretty different ideas about what they were going to do with the show, but obviously those things did not end up happening. But the setup is still pretty much, you know, how Fuller kind of envisioned it. But, you know, Secret Hideout's going to really just take over. Uh, Kurtzman's going to take over with... Uh, a number of folks who are going to stay on for most of this first season. I guess I don't have a lot of preamble here. Let's just get into it. Um, Steve, why don't you start us on the, the Vulcan Hello? Uh, I do want to ask, I know it's been a brief amount of time, but I'd like to make sure we discuss at some point if if this played differently to you now versus three years ago when it first aired. Sure, sure. So, yeah, I mean, as you as you said, it was quite exciting. I mean, there had been over 12 years since there was a, you know, a Star Trek series on the air, premiering new on the air and so forth. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't know exactly what to expect. I didn't know going into this, although I kind of knew a little bit, I didn't know there, this was going to be essentially like a prologue where the bulk of this isn't like what we're going to see in the rest of the show and that kind of thing. I mean, it's... It's kind of bizarre. I mean, I don't want to say that alone turned me off right at, right away, but it was kind of strange, you know, getting through it. And it's like, okay, that has nothing to do with the later episodes. Obviously, right from the get-go, you notice the production value being so much different than what we've seen in the past. And it's, you know, they're like, it's like movies or something, right? I mean, it's it's really high-end. I am... Um, Hell, it's, it's better than most of the Star Trek yeah, movies. Exactly, yeah, 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 true, yeah. true. I, you know, I think it's, I think it's interesting. There's, I mean, there's good acting. It's, it was, it's, it's compelling from the get go. Well, cause it was Star Trek when it was new and all that. I, you know, and w- one thing for sure that has in common, I remember thinking back when I first watched this and then when I started watching it, is that there was kind of this awkward thing with some of the, the writing from the get go. I felt like some of the conversations seemed stilted or not particularly natural. I can't really put my finger on it, but that kind of, you know, that carried, carried through these two episodes for me, uh, sometimes worse than others. I don't, I don't know why that is exactly. But anyway, um, it, it, you know, I think it's interesting how they made something new, but they tied it in with characters we know, this whole notion of a, uh, the ties to Spock and, and the fa- that family. And so, you know, I, um, as far as, as far as kind of anything different now compared to when I saw it, first saw it now over three years ago, well, I mean, I don't know if this is kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit, but I, I strangely enough, I kind of like it more than what I'm seeing now on Discovery to some extent, or at least it feels a little more Star Trek than what I'm seeing now. That's exactly what I wrote down in my notes. 
Yeah. And so I don't know if that, what that's saying, because it's kind of like, I, I thought it was fine. And I was mostly just excited when I saw it, first saw it three years ago, but I didn't think like, this is the best thing ever. Right. And now I'm saying like, hmm, this isn't so bad <laughs> compared to what we, you know, some of the stuff we see now, although I'm not going to, you know, we'll get to that. We'll get to the stuff we're doing, or, you know, season three that's airing now, but um, you know, it, it, it's, there's, there's a certain point where things kind of stretch far enough away from what you're used to in Trek that it gets a little weird, but you know, I can, I can, I, I think it is, I think overall early on in the series, they, they did a good job of knowing that it's gotta be less episodic, more serialized. You know, they did that, although, you know, they keep within that universe and so forth. And there's some, there's some good characters, although we can't talk too much about characters because only a couple of them we actually see anymore after today's shows so um on the whole but yeah the, the, the klingon stuff is interesting i i think i find that more compelling than i did before i mean i think the what's going on with the klingon stuff is is more interesting than what's going on on the on the ship sometimes you know um and that might be a little different than what i thought three years ago let's talk but, let's talk about the klingon stuff for a second yeah. it, it at the time when it first aired, I, I felt like it was almost too into the weeds. Like I just mm-hmm. had trouble following it. And the, the scenes are, they, they're too long. There's too much Klingonese and stuff like that. I still feel that way, but, you know, watching it another, a second time here, it was a little, it was a little bit more, I could, I could follow it a little bit better. You know, I'm still a little bit confused and I'm still, th- I'm thinking about things I know are going to happen in a couple of episodes. I'm like, is this, I don't get this, but it's almost like they're they're taking they're trying to take the Klingons a little bit farther than we've seen a TV seen seen them do in any of the shows. I guess they're really trying to kind of put their own stamp on them. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. They they it's like they want to go a certain direction. They couldn't go too crazy because it's got to fit within the canon of the time. But they certainly did some things we hadn't seen before. Adam, what are your first thoughts here? I definitely agree with Steve. I mean, you know, this is a it looks fantastic. Um, as far as, you know, CG, you know, the ships, uniforms, the cinematography, everything is, you know, totally modern and top-notch. I mean... The way it's shot, just the way the camera moves, I mean, yeah, the compositions, you know, makeup, it's, it's I mean, very, very high-end, yeah. I mean, um, you know, you know, when we talked about um, Enterprise, you know, we kind of said the same thing. But, I mean, this this looks leaps and bounds beyond even Enterprise. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, it's fun to watch just, um, you know, visually. And I think that's really kind of what they were, they, they really wanted to get that going because they were trying to introduce new audiences to this and, you know, the, the days, the times that we live in, you know, it's got to look good or you're going to lose your audience. And so I think they did a great job on that. Um, you know, you kind of mentioned the, I, I think I can, I can appreciate it a little bit more the second time because I, I think it was like about halfway through the season or maybe even two thirds of the way through the season where I kind of started understanding more about what they were doing with the Klingons. What threw me off is just they changed the look so much of them. It was it was kind of hard to to think they were even Klingons, <laughs> other than the ship and that kind of thing. I mean, obviously that kind of gets explained more throughout the season. You know, there's 24 houses and there's different races of Klingons, and I can I respect that. You give a little bit more depth to um, to the race, but I, I think they might have. I think they just went a little bit too far in this episode. It's because we we all have this picture and this frame of mind of Klingons and it just didn't didn't feel like Klingons to me in these first couple episodes so um that's kind of how I felt on that question but the I mean you know in the, the time set it's cool just to go back you know like um I thought it was a an in- interesting way to do it this is 10 years um 
before Kirk and um, Spock come together. Is that correct? Or is it longer than 10 years before them? That's about right. Yeah. Steve? That's my understanding. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's kind of a cool concept. You kind of get, you know, get to see, um, you know, what the Federation looked like before, you know, the, you know, like Kirk and Spock and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, kind of going into this, you know, I, you know, my little thing was hoping that we'd get to see these characters. And obviously when we get to season two, we'll talk about Spock, but, um, you know, interesting Michael Burnham, you know, they're, the show is being centered on the first officer, not necessarily the captain. That's, that's a change. Um, she is also, um, you know, the adopted sister to Spock who was raised by Sarek. I did want to ask, I didn't, I didn't look it up on purpose cause I wanted to ask you guys. So normally in each, with each new series, there's a former cast member that kind of, um, you know, takes, you know, um, guest stars or something on the new show. I didn't, you know, is that just supposed to be Sarek in that? Or was Yeah, there... I think in this case they did it without using the... An actor? One of the pre- previously, one of the actors who previously played the character. But yeah, I think that's kind of, that was the baton passing, if you that's will. That's right, yeah. That's a good good way to put it, the baton passing. So yeah, that's how I felt about it. Um, and, you know, I, pretty much what it is, it's, it's just... Um, Burnham, you know, and um, Sharuk that are really kind of the main cast that we'll get moving forward. So, um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I remember the first time I saw it, having the thought, well, this this is so obviously influenced by the J.J. Abrams Star Trek visually. And I still felt that way today. But I'm kind of wondering if, I mean, from some of the things you were saying, Steve, I mean... Is it is it that it's just super influenced by JJ's movie, or is it this is just what modern Star Trek would have to look like? I mean, I still think it's the former, right. but you, know, you kind of implied the latter to me. I don't know. Well, I mean, I think there's something there, and it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint. I mean, you know, it's not identical, right? It doesn't it is not the exact same beats and the same shots and the same way you know, the lens flares right and left and all this. It, you know, there, there's those there are those elements, but I do think there is a we there we that the perception of that might be skewed simply because it's you know you know high end quality you know film like you know a feature like kind of thing on every episode and so and and just like you said like it, you know it just evolves right where the nature of what we're used to seeing and the kind of the pacing of shots and all that kind of stuff so it's probably some, a mix of that you know i'm not sure i i i would doubt they went out of their way to mimic what those movies look like i think it was more of just incidental to me i mean we do have alex kurtzman of course involved in sure sure in these in this show and in the jj movies the characters yeah it's it's we can't really talk much because like you said there's only going to be a couple of these characters really coming back but i like the characters i i agree with you also that some of the writing is this dialogue in particular is a little stilted, but I think, you know, some of the times that just happens because they're writing this stuff before they've cast it. And right. That's, that'll go always get better because they'll start tailoring the, the, the lines for the, the actors and stuff. The Klingon stuff often feels stilted, but you've got actors saying a made up language, you know, some of them can do it better than others, but for the most part, I actually, yeah, I agree also that, I enjoyed this more than I did three years ago. And I definitely found myself feeling at the beginning, you had Giorgio and Burnham walking in the desert, that planet, and then very shortly you had the two of them along with Saru investigating this mystery thing. And there's a little bit of funny banter between them. They're on the bridge and, you know, sensors and whatever. And I, and I thought, I kind of wish this was the show. <laughs> this this was <laughs> yeah. like Star Trek, you know? And we know this is not the show. 
it's not even the show that this show is in season one, but it definitely ain't the show this show is in you know, later seasons. But I was watching it thinking, hey, this kind of feels like Star Trek, and I missed that, and this, I kind of wish this was it. But I know it ain't. We're going to deal with it for what it is, and for the moment, this individual episode, you know, I, I kind of liked it. Now, not a lot happens because they are giving us a lot of information just because it's, I mean, it feels like they're giving us a lot of information because it's just new, new characters, new ship, new backstories and different kind of Klingons, all that kind of stuff. But when you actually think about the plot of this episode, very, very little actually happens. I like the relationship between Burnham and Sarek. I like their scenes together in this episode. We'll talk more about the, the scenes in the next one, but you know. So, Brian, hey, Brian, just to kind of take it back. So, I mean, do you think we're going to run into that problem? Because like you, like you mentioned to begin with, like this is very serialized. It, it, you know, it's not, we're not going to have the um, the bottle episodes any, occasionally, much, occasionally, but not near as much. It's going to be yeah. more like you know we're going to have the storyline going on for like four episodes before we get to a before we get to a bottle episode that kind of thing. So. Well, it makes it a little bit too cause like we normally do our what is this episode about, which is what kind of what I want to do right now. But maybe that's a more difficult thing now. I don't know. We're, you know, if we need to change our, the structure of our podcast a little bit, we will. But do you guys have anything for what this episode is about, or is it just a bigger, you know, a small part of the? Well, I mean, I think, uh, well, we kind of, I mean, well, the big part of this episode is, um, you know, Michael Burnham, um, you know, mutiny in the, in the first, very first episode, mutiny. Um, that's pretty amazing for, to start off a show, especially with your main character. Um, now we're, we're going to learn a little bit more about, um, Burnham in, in the next episode, you know, her upbringing, you know, she, her parents were killed and, you know, Sarek um, took her on and she, she had the, the Vulcan upbringing and very, very much like Spock, um, except all human. So, I mean, you know, I, I think we can kind of talk about, you know, who this, the show is centered on her and just how they introduce her um, is pretty amazing <laughs> um, in comparison to, um, you know, all the captains that the shows have been centered on in the past. So, they changed it up here, so that's what I would kind of, you know, leading into like what's the, what the episode is about. You know, they're really, you know, they're giving us Star Trek, but they're giving it, it to us in a different way or a new way. You know, with um, you know, obviously there's been a show centered around a woman before, but now this, this is a new woman and she's in second command, and it's a whole kind of different structure. And so, um, I, I guess you could say what this episode is about is this is going to be different from what you've seen in the past. If anything, I, I suppose, you know, it, it's this notion that um, there's, you, you don't, if you think you got it figured out, you probably don't, you know, this kind of idea that, you know, as people grow and grow into new environments and, you know, they deal with their, their past and what they've learned, you know, I think we all deal with this kind of ebb and flow of confidence and kind of getting put in check about something right like we like we think we got it figured out and then we get kind of knocked back a bit through something else and i think i think in, especially in the early days for burnham you know it's it's definitely like here's the here's my world and here's what i know what it is and even when i absolutely know think uh, you know think i have it together clearly i don't have the whole picture and it's complicated by the fact of course for her as she has this unique upbringing you know a human essentially raises a vulcan and um, you know, that that's obviously there's, there's conflict and it's bizarre and it's, and it lends its own, leads to its own issues. But yeah, I, I think it's kind of, it's like, it's a, a facet of character development. I think we're learning about the, the, um, the pitfalls of thinking you have it all together and knowing what's out there, you know, but. 
if, if we have to come up with something but for me. Well, it's interesting that, you know, Sarek tells her, because she begs for the information, uh, how the Vulcans handled the Klingons. And we don't actually know that that wouldn't have worked for the humans because she doesn't actually get to implement that. Sure. You know, um, Giorgio stops her before she fires on them. But whether it would have worked or not, Giorgio makes it clear that might be the Vulcan way, but this is not the Federation way. Mm-hmm. That is not the Federation way. You know, so there is a sense of she's trying to be logical and all that, but that method doesn't necessarily work <laughs> for the humans and for the Federation. So she's learning something. I, I don't know. There's there's something kind of interesting in there. But that's what kind of keeps the episode going and, and gives it a little bit of replay value. Like I said, I definitely enjoyed it more knowing all of those things now and rewatching it. All right, let's go ahead and move on to Six Degrees. So, you know, these these episodes are going to be the newer stuff. I'm still going to call it Six Degrees. I might be doing more generic trivia these days because there aren't, you know, sister shows for the same actors to be working. I don't know. If they're there, I'll do it. But it might be, if I can ask you about actors that played multiple roles on different shows, I will. But otherwise, I'll just be doing trivia. And we're only going to do one question for each episode. Steve. Yep. James Frain plays Sarek. Name the actor that played Sarek in J.J. Abrams' 2009 Star Trek feature. Hmm. Yeah. Just passed away recently. That's right. Yeah, I knew I knew that, but his name's not popping in my head, so I, I don't know. Adam? I just passed him. I'm sorry to hear that. I didn't know he passed away. Uh, I don't know his name either. I, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's been a character actor for a long time. But. Yes, yeah, It's been a lot of TV. Ben Cross. Mm. All right, nobody got that one. We are moving on. Battle at the Binary Stars, Season 1, Episode 2. Original air date, September 24th, 2017. Directed by Adam Kane. Story by Brian Fuller. Teleplay by Gretchen J. Berg and Aaron Harberts. Guest cast include Michelle Yeoh as Philippa Giorgio, Mary Chifo as Laurel, James Frain as Sarek, Kenneth Mitchell as Cole, Chris Obi as Takuvma, and Terry Serpico as Brett Anderson. After being raised as a Vulcan by Sarek and becoming the first human to attend and graduate the Vulcan Learning Center and Vulcan Science Academy, Michael Burnham is entrusted to Captain Philippa Georgia of the USS Shinshu. Seven years later, Berman is the first officer of the Shinsu and has just disobeyed and attacked Giorgio in an attempt to fire unprovoked on a Klingon vessel, hoping to avoid an inevitable war. The Klingon outcast, Volk, on behalf of his leader, has just started a beacon that attracts 24 new Klingon vessels to the system as Giorgio has Berman imprisoned for mutiny. Ambassador Sarek, it's good to see you again. Thank you for receiving us, Captain Giorgio. The pleasure is ours. As discussed, this is my ward, Michael Burnham. Hello, Michael. Welcome to the USS Senjo. And congratulations on your recent commencement. Respect is earned, as is friendliness. Yet, diplomatic niceties must be observed. This is hardly a negotiation. First contact, then. The only human to attend the Vulcan Learning Center and Science Academy rejoins her own kind. You can see my analogy, more or less. Less. I will leave you now. Live long and prosper. All right. Uh, Adam, kick us off on this one. Battle at the Binary Stars. Well, first of all, I know I mentioned it in the last last um, episode. The graphics are really cool. I mean, the Binary Star system is really neat. Um, 
And that's kind of one of the, I just want to mention, that's kind of one of the cool things we're going to get into with this show is new scientific stuff that's kind of been discovered over the last decade to 20 years since, you know, Enterprise. So I've always enjoyed the science part of Star Trek. So um, I think it's kind of cool we get this, even though it's in the background, you at least kind of get to see it, you know, most of the stars in this um, galaxy are binary. So anyway, that's just kind of off topic. I thought that, I think that's kind of neat that we'll get to see these, see the new stuff in the shows. But, you know, we get more on um, Burnham in this episode. You know, we find out that, you know, she's a survivor of a Klingon attack when she was a child on a on a Vulcan Vulcan planet. She is um, taken in by Sarek and, and raised as a ward, as he has described her. Um, you know, so she learns the Vulcan way. So knowing Spock and what Spock went through, you know, we're kind of given a glimpse of um, the things that are kind of going on in, in Michael Burnham. There's, there's, there's a lot going, you know, she's (laughs) the trauma of her losing her parents, being raised on Vulcan where you're, you know, you're not, you're not supposed to show emotion or, and, um, so she's a very complex character. We're going to go through it, promise you. Um, but this is kind of the first glimpse. Um, I still think it's a little bit shocking that she committed mutiny, but you can kind of see, um, you kind of get an understanding of where that's coming from because of her upbringing and, and her childhood past. So, um, we get we get a lot for, about um, Berman in this episode, so I think that's a good thing. She, she's the main character, and um, that's where my first first thoughts are. Steve, yeah, I like how they kind of um, you know as as you, we said at the very top, this one has mostly a big battle as the bulk of it. But I like how they started up because we you know there was so much you know going on plot wise in the first part, and then this, this one is kind of like okay, here's where we picked up. Incidentally, it's kind it's kind of like a flashback already we just had one episode and we see like last time here's what happened of course in the past uh series you know that was a rarity now it's every time you know here's what happened last time just the nature of it but um yeah i like how they at that point we jump back and see some of the stuff that led her to where we are what's her story that's interesting some of the new little things they create are um bizarre i guess interesting like you know this new weird special kind of mind meld that we never heard about before that's pretty weird i also kind of like the uh way they cross cut between the um you know where where during during the you know to keep it interesting when the battle was about ready to go down or whatever was happening and you have saru and Giorgio, and then the klingons are you know and plotting what's going on and they run into the europa and all that stuff i kind of like that um so I, I thought some of the ideas in this were interesting and new and uh um of course, wrapping up with a court martial and just going to that's it, you know, it's over, and you don't know, okay, so what? And that's pretty, pretty, um, you know, bold, I suppose. But, um, anyway, that's kind of my take on this. This is probably more appropriate for next our next podcast discussion, but I, I feel like maybe, maybe they should have told us, they being like, um, the producers or CBS or somebody that. The exciting new Star Trek show, Discovery, is going to open with a two-part prologue. Yeah. I feel like maybe I wouldn't have been so hard on it at the time if I'd just known that. Because I remember being not happy about this and very confused. And there's no um, precedent for this in Star Trek. Brian, the only thing that I could kind of recently think of, or they kind of, the Battlestar, you know, they had the, they opened the show with a, a miniseries kind of. Yeah, but that was different. That miniseries was intentionally designed to stand alone because they didn't know if they were going to get picked up. Right. It was like a year later when the show actually right. started. Right, yeah. 
So I just feel like, you know, I mean, this is this is not they didn't make these and then decide to make the show after these were just episodes one and two of the show, you know, and that's how they sold them to us. And they sold it to us as she's the XO on this ship. George O is the captain. I mean, there's not. Yeah, probably wasn't the best idea. Yeah, I, I, I kind of wish they'd, they'd done that. But it was a mistake for JJ to hide that Harriman or whatever the heck his name was, was con. But whatever. OK. Uh, all right. So that's in the past now. So. Yeah, I, I like I like the uh, it is a little weird that long distance um, mind meld, but like I said, I, I like their relationship. You know, I like the way they communicate with mm-hmm. one another. I like that little flashback scene at the beginning a lot, actually, because we, you know, seeing Burnham seven years earlier when she is really like full on Vulcan. Vulcan, right? She's got no she's got no emotion there. She's entirely logical. You know, watching it a second time. It, it, I'm much kinder to it because I can like, well, she does some nutty stuff, but she's been raised to not experience, to not express her emotion. And then all of a sudden she's thrown in this world with humans and she probably can't control these emotions in the right way or none of these other people are doing that. And all of a sudden she's got these relationships and she's got this mother figure and Giorgio that she has feelings for clearly, you know, like her, like, like love, like a, like she would love a mother, you know, and she, and she makes some, you know, in retrospect, some nutty decisions, <laughs> knocking out her captain, but, you know, I can kind of see where she, she could go wrong now that I see who she was just a few short years earlier. So there's, you know, maybe I'm just reading a bunch of stuff into it that wasn't really there. And I certainly didn't think that on first viewing, but giving it the benefit of the doubt, it allows me to see it in this way and enjoy this, these two episodes at least, a lot more than I did three years, four years, whatever, three and a half years ago. Um, yeah, Brian, that's definitely, they kind of, they definitely throw us in the deep end on these with, with Michael. You know, it's like, well, you're kind of, yeah, you're kind of thrown into her character without a whole lot of um, kind of setup. So I kind of agree with you. Watch this time around i'm like i i remember going wow this is kind of crazy this is the lead of the show and it's kind of crazy it seems very erratic um but on a second viewing it's yeah it makes a little more sense you know time time feels all right i mean can you imagine if this wasn't the first new star trek show in 12 years so if if picard had been the first one and then this one came along we would <laughs> we wouldn't we would i think i would have been a much kinder starting out on this show right i can see that they would have earned a little bit of goodwill and uh, freedom to mess around in the universe. But here I feel like they're just immediately starting off and they give us five minutes of Star Trek and then start messing with it. It's like, well, I haven't had Star Trek in 12 years. Maybe I needed more than an opening scene and a scene on the bridge in the first episode. I don't know. But I, okay. So I like, I like her character. They're definitely giving her oodles of character development She's a Sonequa Martin Green is a you know a fantastic actress. I was a fan of hers, you know, on Walking Dead before she started this show, and I was excited when she was cast. Obviously, Michelle Yeoh is awesome. Everybody loves her, and I've loved her for decades. Yeah, I remember being sad when I was like, "What? What? She's gone?" Yep. <laughs> I was like, "Really?" the The battle sequences are pretty darn amazing. It's it's really cool when the Europa shows up and saves the Shinzo. Uh, I like that. There's just these little bits of history, you know. We what is it? There's a little bit where she... Oh, oh yeah. In the seven years ago flashback, um, Giorgio says something about the Shenzo being an older ship. It uses some older transporter technology. Um, 
you know, and it's one of the first ships to kind of get knocked out by these Klingons, which makes sense, right? It, it's got, uh, was it face cannons or whatever, like the old Enterprise, like the show Enterprise, the NX-01 weapons, as opposed to what we know, the the Kirk Spock Enterprise, which is running around under Pike right now, right? Or is it April? I don't know. But it's, it's around right now. We know it has regular <laughs> phasers and stuff. So I like, you know, there's there's little stuff like that that's a lot more enjoyable on the second viewing. So I like I like that. And I think it's cool. The the whole brig sequence, that that whole area would be destroyed. And the, the only thing that saved her was the, the brig's force fields. And she, force shields, and she um, convinces the computer to let her go with logic. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, it definitely feels like a, a kind of a nod to Kirk talking computers to death kind of yeah. thing. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The fight on the the Klingon ship, the actual fisticuff stuff, where you know it's it's cool that like they had a plan. You know, it it is telling us, hey, we're going to do some different stuff, and one of those different things is we have a plan. We're going to go on board, and we're going to grab Takuvma, and then because we have him as a prisoner, we're going to be able to stop this whole war because it's going to kind of you know de-escalate it as opposed to make him a martyr which is probably what he wants. Okay, great. That's the plan. And then, of course, they get there, and it doesn't work out. Giorgio is killed, and Takuvma is killed. She kills Takuvma. I don't remember if they talk about that more later, but I don't know if that was an accident or if she thought she was trying to save Giorgio and that was the only way or what, because surely she could have put that stun. phaser into stun mode, right? So, you know, there's some there's interesting character stuff going on there, but I like that the, fan kind of, the plan kind of fails, there's an element of this is a different kind of Star Trek that I was able to enjoy. I talked a lot about, you know, they're messing with some stuff and I and I had a hard time with that, especially at first. But there's an example of something that I like. Here's another one. Here's another example of messing with Star Trek that I thought was great. The very end of this episode. Burnham committed mutiny and she actually has consequences. I'm pretty sure that's never happened in all of Star Trek. You can you can take over the ship, and it's fine by the end of the episode, or maybe you know the next one. But she actually gets stripped of her rank, sentenced to life in prison. That's amazing. That's a change that I kind of like. That actually makes some sense. Does that shock you guys? No, no, no. I was gonna use that kind of for what what's the episode about. I I do have one. Complaint All right, well, about, we can do that then. We can do what the episode's I, about if you want to get. I into do it. have one complaint about that scene. I thought they kind of over dramatized it with the with the court being all blacked out and shadow. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of silly because you kind of you imagine if this was really a thing, would that be what they do if you were really in court? I mean, you'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, sir, I can't quite see you. Could you? <laughs> they got a spotlight on her. I was yeah, like, oh, it's kind of that's kind of dumb. You know, because. Yeah, I, I praise the way the show looked is, has looked so far. I mean, but yeah, I was like, eh, I don't really like this scene. But yeah, but, but other and than talking that, about you know some of the lines are a little stilted. I feel like, do you have any final thing you want to say before sentencing? You know, it's a little bit too almost too poetic or something. But it's it's fine. It's all fine. So, but yeah, let's do what it's about so you can talk about. It. So what's this episode about? Um, well, Brian, I kind of think you hit on it. I mean. There are consequences. She, I mean, even, you know, she was put in the brig and even though she came out and, you know, it seemed like she was going to pull herself out of it, you know, her and Giorgio went on that mission, but that just went all to hell. And, um, and there's consequences for actions. She, I mean, you know, like I said, I, I really enjoy the character of Michael Burnham. It's, 
hard for me to say how much I like her right now because the show is still going on. It's, you know, in the third season, so it's still kind of playing out. Um, that'll be kind of the nice things about going through the show again, just watching it from a different perspective. I've already feel that way just watching it now from the first time because, like I said, you know, we were kind of thrown into the deep end with her character. You've got an interesting story here with, the, with this with this character. This is who the show is focused on, and this is how the, the first two, you know, the prologue, I guess is what we're going to call it, this is how it ends. Her being court-martialed and sentenced to life in prison. Now, the closest, the closest thing we've come to that is uh, Tom Paris, and that's different circumstances. So it's kind of like, how is she going to get out of this? And that's kind of like where we're, we're going on this show. But, I mean, it, you know, you can't say that she didn't commute. You know, she knocks out her captain. She tries to fire on a Klingon ship. I mean, so she's guilty of what she did, and um, and she's facing the consequences for that. I mean, physically, emotionally, she loses her, you know, mother figure. I mean, it's just it's a very dark ending for her in this episode. Steve, what do you got for what it's about? Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because like the you know what I thought on the on the first of these two episodes was just essentially they're two different names, but they're essentially like a two part episode. Really, it's a uh, the first one is kind of like that that notion of you uh the, this the conflicts one has and the kind of ebb and flow of indecision and indecision and you know where you go with that and what's interesting here is that you get kind of like the uh, bookends of that i notion like you get the the history that brought this about and then you get the conclusion of now you have the reckoning you know this, this is what you did and this is how it is and this is the consequence so in a way, this this episode kind of provides both a, a beginning and an end to the first part, you know, and, and kind of wraps all that up. But I, I agree. It's, it's like her the consequence for your action and the choices you've made and where do you go from here? You know, it's it's not going to be just a nice little bow on the you know tied up with a bow and it's pretty and we move on to the next episode. Right. Like what happens next? And then we'll also get discovery in the next episode, the actual ship. Oh, you mean. You're going to have discovery in your discovery <laughs> ride <laughs> tour. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's do six degrees for Battle of the Binary Stars. Adam. Yes. Sarek is shown mind melding with a young Burnham. How many times in other shows or movies was Sarek shown melding with Spock? Spock? Yep. Zero. Correct. He never melded with Spock. That's how he got that whole bit with unification, unification part two. Very good. Uh, Adam takes it for the day. Doesn't happen often. So yeah. All right. Well, we have officially started Star Trek Discovery. By my estimation, this is going to take us most of 2021 to at least do the three existing seasons. Uh, by the way, Happy New Year, listeners. So yeah, here we are. We're off. Are off and running. New Star Trek show. You can follow us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash trekcompanion. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. We are so thankful that you spent an hour with us, and we hope you will be back in two weeks to join us when we discuss the next two episodes of Discovery's first season. Until then, take it easy. Take it easy, guys, and Happy New Year. See ya.
Stefan, I passed it.